Not one, not two, not three, not four, but five good oh. days in a row for Russell Wilson. <laughs> Is this offense cooking, guys? I don't know about cooking, <laughs> but uh, listen, this is this is far and away better than what we saw at the beginning of training camp. And I, and I do know in the eyes of the staff right now, they do feel like Russ is kind of starting to stack them right now. Mm-hmm. That, I know we're all thinking that. That is what the staff is thinking. And, and it's what's happened over really probably since, what, Saturday was maybe his best day out of this stretch. The beginning portion of it, let's be honest, like it, it was not good. It, it really wasn't, Todd. Like it was not good. This is what you need to happen in camp. This didn't happen in camp last year where you saw just as camp was going on, you're like, okay, I'm seeing incremental growth as we go through. We kind of didn't see that. It was kind of stagnant throughout all of training camp. That's why you have camp. It's not going to be fantastic day Mm -hmm. one. You have it to stack days, and it doesn't matter in which order they happen as long as you're ascending, right, in any capacity. That's what's happening lately. I mean, listen, it has been good. But it was not good in the beginning. No, no. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it just keeps getting better. And, um, you know, Russ continues to stack days. I think the best thing about it is is he looks way calmer within the system. Mm -hmm. You know, those first couple of days he was panicked. Guys were coming kind of scot-free. He was trying to make quick decisions. And now he feels like he's just sitting in the pocket when he needs to, making the big-time throw. Even if a guy is coming clean or gets beat, he's not panicked or trying to turn his back to the defense to make a play. He's sitting in there. He's making the right reads. And really, I think guys are coming up big with some some contested catches like Cortland Sutton did today. That's a good call. That is the most analysis we've had in the first 90 seconds of a show, <laughs> probably in show history. You guys usually we- off the rails within the first 90 <laughs> oh, seconds? Absolutely. We're off the ground run, of course. You're hearing the beautiful voice of James Palmer. You're the strong voice of Todd Davis. Zach Stevens here. Palm Palm readings. readings. How about that? Oh, that Uh, palm needs some sun. (laughs) How do you you feel about that headshot, James? Because I think it looks good, but we use it for everything. You do. You You tweet that bad boy out, you throw it everywhere. It's (laughs) actually better than the one I think the network uses for me, actually. I'm a little too serious. So we're nicer. No, you guys are good. Yeah. Uh, See, you're trying to, right back on the rails here. One of the things that I'm most impressed with Russ is is that he's winning in the pocket. Mm -hmm. In the first eight days of camp, when he was struggling, when he would have glimpses of success, it was by being vintage Russell Wilson, of rolling out of the pocket, throwing a deep ball, buying time with his legs. And that's that's good. Russ, if he's going to have that, that's going to just open that extra dimension for him. But in order to succeed for 17 games in a row, for multiple seasons in a row, he has to be able to win. From the pocket and last year nathaniel hackett tried to do that with him and it was it was a disaster and i thought i was starting to think man maybe he just can't win from the pocket and that was just really going to limit just how far russ could go this year in the rest of his career with the broncos and sean payton but these last five days and today he's winning from the pocket which is the most encouraging thing for me yeah i think he's comfortable being uncomfortable you know sean payton i don't think he's going to ask him to be in the pocket you know 50 times a game but I'm going to let you get comfortable. I'm going to let you roll out. I'm going to let you make plays with your legs. But when I ask you to make a play in the pocket, I need to be able to have faith that you can do that as well. So I think that, you know, he's growing in his faith as far as what Russell Wilson can do. And Russell Wilson's starting to pick it up. What, what, the, what you talk about is playing in the pocket. That's playing on time. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, mm-hmm. what, that's when we've seen him at his best over this stretch. We haven't, I, I know he can roll out. And I know he can do all those things. And we've talked about, you know, he's trimmer. He should probably move better than he did a year ago. But when we've seen him at his best in this training camp is when he plays on time. It's, when, when he's tried to extend and he's tried to make something happen, that, that's when things haven't really gone very well. But what I'm excited about is 
when he's playing on time in there, we're still seeing a variety of throws, right? We're seeing the layered throw. That was kind of the one to Cortland. We've, we yeah. saw a ball, a contested catch. I think it was against uh, Damari where he kind of put something on it mm-hmm. in the middle of the field, yeah. and he put it in Cortland's chest. Those are all different types of throws, and getting the feel for how those throws have to be within this system is a big step he has to make, and he's kind of making it these couple of days because all those throws aren't the same. But Sean has a timing to how all of that works, and you're now proceed. You know, you're going after one of the greatest timing quarterbacks of all time in Drew Brees in terms of playing on schedule, playing on time. But that's the way Sean works. If he can get Russ to play this way, I'll be honest. I've been all over the league over the last like seven, eight days. There's a lot of people in the league who do not think Russ can play on time mm-hmm. like this. We'll see because that's how Sean's system works. Yeah, and that's that's going to be the key. And let's just we we know it's a good day from Russ. Let's see how good of a day it was. It was. Let's see how back is Russ. Let's do it. Where was he today? Yeah, here, oh, yeah, it's it. a little meter thing, right? Oh yeah, the meter. Okay. I still like the danger, Russ. That hair is. Oh man, it's something else. Awesome. Isn't it it is. It. Oh man. Oh, oh Russell Wilson day. was Russell Wilson today, and I'm pretty confident saying not only was he Russell Wilson and the top of this meter, this is the best day that he's had in all of camp during team periods. He didn't have a single ball hit the ground. That is as good as you can be. And it wasn't just, I don't know how many throws he actually had. We're not really allowed to track that. But let's say he was 10 for 10. I think the throws he was making, they were kind of talking about it. Yeah, yeah, it's a hypothetical. Um, The throws he was making, and James, you kind of touched on this, they were different. And I think that's what was impressive. Uh He had the nice little, it wasn't a pure touch pass, but let's kind of walk through that first pass to Cortland Sutton. Okay, well, let's say this. If we had Pat Sertan like sitting right here, <laughs> he'd been like court pushed off, which he did create <laughs> yeah. a little separation, yeah. which mm-hmm. this is also camp and there's going to be arms going back and forth. And Pat was in really, really good coverage, yeah. but he did put the ball right where it's supposed to be on Cortland's inside shoulder because Pat was playing outside. And then at the same time, it had enough juice on it before Locke could get over it was a really perfectly placed ball. I think what Cortland did is what big-bodied receivers do, is mm-hmm. you use your physicality to create every little bit of space you can. And we'll talk about Cortland uh, some more. But that that's the type of ball, when you, you go around the league and it's, a, what do you want a, your quarterback to throw? We want your quarterback to throw with the pace that that ball needed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That That's something that, like, when C.J. Stroud was coming out, there was a question about... You know, does, does he put enough zip on the ball? And like, I had a conversation with Ryan Day that was like, no, he puts just enough on the ball that's needed for that route. Mm-hmm. And ask receivers, they'll tell you, like, I don't need it rocketed in on play X, on, 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 you know, on, on each type of situation. That ball was thrown with the right tempo it was supposed to be thrown for that route. Of course, you mix in some good things about Ohio State quarterback. Of I have to throw yeah, in Ohio State references yep, at any yep, chance yep. I can. Any way you can mix in a CJ Sacramento State reference here in this answer? <clears throat> oh, man, that's tough. You know, <laughs> we've had so many great quarterbacks. I could just go down the list. You know, yeah. he's looking he's looking like vintage Sac State versus CU quarterbacks oh, right now. Go. I think he's there looking really good. There it is. <laughs> I love it. And what was so impressive about that was he went after Pat Sertan. And mm-hmm. like you said, Pat Sertan couldn't have been in better coverage. Like you said, Pat probably thought there was a bit of a push-up, but yeah. I, do think, I do yeah. think that most of the time, although we didn't see this last year in Kansas City, most of the time that isn't going to be called mm-hmm. as a pass interference because there's 
likely going to be contact on every single play. And just an incredible job by Cortland Sutton to get that separation. Uh, Russ to put it exactly where it needed to be. And he did it from the pocket. It was one of those where he drops back, doesn't wait too long. And that's why it was a it was big on time. play. That's but what it was only a 25, 30-yard completion, which shows he got the ball out pretty quick. It was on yeah. time. Yep, and it was, like you said, he zipped it in there right, right at the speed he needed to. Um, that's one thing I think I've seen from Russ is, he may be a little bit leaner, but his strength is there. Like mm -hmm. he's able to make some tough throws and able to really uh, get the ball in there in tight coverage when he needs to. So um, I think he's on the right track. I think you give Cortland some of those and then also give him some, some balls he can jump for um, to make some plays in the end zone and, you know, they'll be all right. Todd, I don't know if it's a coincidence or what, but you've been banging the table for more Cortland Sutton. They yep. can't throw him the ball enough. And you were out there today, and Russ was like, I'm going to do this one for you, Todd, because I think the very I saw next... him point at Todd before practice. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, Brian, was like, three, yeah. three, yeah, yeah three. <laughs> and it didn't matter who was on it, because I think it was the very next pass. It was Cortland, not on the outside, not up against Pat Sertan. It was Cortland in the very middle of the field, mm -hmm. and Damari Mathis just all over court. I think it was really good coverage. Some people were saying maybe P.I. because he was just that all over him. Mm -hmm. But the complete opposite. There was no touch on this one. Uh, it was in the middle of the field as opposed to outside. And he ripped mm -hmm. this ball into Cortland Sutton's chest. Really the only place it could have been for a completion. You and heard that pass. Oh, like yes. You heard yeah. that ball. You yeah. heard that completion. It's one of those John Elway ones where it just leaves that, that uh, the, the ball on you. Yeah, yeah, he has that whistle. Um, and Cortland came down with it. And again, just a perfect pass where it had to be. And another great, great catch from Cortland. Cortland's the man. I, like I said, I've been banging on the table for him. Um, he needs more touches. I think he's a great wide receiver, a big body wide receiver. You need one on the team to really make those contested catches. Um, third downs, I think he'll come up big. So he's just proven to you guys what I've seen in him since, you know, he was a young rookie with me. Um, he's talented, man. I, I think he's going to have a great year. James, you've, you've talked to Cortland a lot over mm -hmm. this, I mean, offseason, but specifically in training camp. We talked to him for the first time in a couple of weeks now. And I got to say, just his physical stature, uh -huh. some, some media member after said, when did Cortland become DK Metcalf? <laughs> and I mean, it's, it's not that crazy because he is ripped now. He looks great. He, he, what, what, what looks different to me is when he's running his route. He's more like compact. He's in here. Everything's tight. He looks way better off the line. Mm -hmm. That's what stood out to a lot of the defensive coaches I've talked to mm -hmm. recently is like his, his get off off the line, which... I'm not going to lie, you lose a little bit, little bit of weight, work on that quickness. I think the knee being healthy is, yeah. to me, probably the biggest thing that stands out. Like, mm -hmm. we all just assume Adrian Peterson probably ruined this for everybody coming <laughs> yeah. back in like seven days that after an ACL. Yeah. Like, that everybody's just going to bounce back right away. And there's so many different layers. And I guarantee you guys have had this conversation with you in rooms all the time, Todd, right? Guys that are coming back, like, the mental's not there yet. Uh -huh. or I don't trust it yet. Or I don't. And a lot of guys need. A lot of medical people believe it's that second year, two years removed from the ACL, when you really do feel like yourself. I think Cortland looks like the 2019 Cortland. He's trusting it. I think he trusts it yeah. in his cuts. Like, you can see just the confidence he has when he plants off of it. When we talked, he was just like, man, I just know I need a big year. Like, and, and I want he kind of said that to you guys today in the in, in his you know in his appearance on the podium is like you guys he you wanted know, one of us? well I, I already had this conversation <laughs> with him so it was like a repeat but it was like he wanted to change so much of what he did this offseason he just wasn't happy he wasn't happy with his training routine he wasn't happy with the work he was doing it wasn't giving him different results yeah and he's like i changed he told me he's like i changed everything this offseason 
like everything and how I went about my business. And he looks completely different. And I think that's that's what the the group wanted to see. Like when when Sean and them watched the 2019 tape, they were like, I don't want to make I don't want to make the comparison of Cortland to like the greatest you know receiving season one of them we've ever seen in Michael Thomas with 149 <laughs> catches mm -hmm. NFL record. But they saw similarities in that mm -hmm. sense in their body types and how they're built and and the, both playing the X. They want that out of him and that was obviously the year that they were looking at a little over 1100 yards that's the guy that they're kind of seeing a little bit and court is the one who put the work in let's yeah. be honest like I, I give him all the credit for wanting something different and go out and get it and we've seen different results already he's still going to be physical going up and getting the 50 50 ball right todd but like getting quicker off the line getting quicker in and out of breaks when you lose he told me like lost more than 10 pounds but mm -hmm. feels stronger that allows you to have more and more of that wiggle, but still the strength to go up and get the ball. Okay, you're not one of us because we didn't get how much uh, we didn't get the ten pounds out of him today. I uh, know you so, guys tried. Yeah, I heard somebody yeah. said how much you lose. <laughs> he told me he lost more than ten. That's a lot. And and he said he did it by gaining weight, then turning that into muscle, uh -huh. then trimming down yeah. after that. And yeah. I think it is adding the muscle, but also. You mentioned it, trusting that knee. Yeah, it, I think that's he big. Didn't look like he fully trusted it even last year, and that was a full year removed from, from being back, and that allows him to be that full X receiver, not just the deep threat. And in 2019, he was, I mean, he wasn't a 50-50 ball guy. He was like an 80-20 yeah. ball guy where mm -hmm. you throw it up to him, he's coming down with it pretty much every I remember time. Mike T in that offense was not like a deep ball guy. And that's yeah. exactly it. That's where I think that if his knee, if he fully trusts it, then he can make those cuts that you need in order to to be more They're of an all-around receiver. Man, right? Exactly. And you're right about the time it takes to really feel comfortable with the injury. Um, you know, I tore my calf, I don't know, maybe four years ago now, and I'll be on the treadmill, and I'll be like, oh, you know, oh, just walking like, like, is this like, it? Uh -oh. Is this it? Is, is it about to happen again? Yeah. Oh, um, but it takes time to really get, you know, your, uh, your feeling back, your trust in your, your injuries, and be able to perform at the highest level again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Cortland, he capped off practice with a touchdown. I mean, mm -hmm. that's the only way to cap off these practices. And like I said, Russ didn't have an incompletion. And the very end of practice today, I guess it was a little bit of a move the ball situation. Offense starts at the 21-yard line. Todd, you had a better perspective of this than I did. But um, the Broncos, I believe, was it third down or some Third and five or mm -hmm. third and goal from the five. Uh, and then Russ just finds a pretty open Cortland Sutton in, yeah. the, in the end zone to cap off just a great day from both of them. He knew he was having a great day. He got the ball. He spun it at the <laughs> end. He was feeling good. When you start, you know, celebrating and have a good time in practice, that's how you know you're making plays. Yeah, and if you want to make sure that you're having a good time, make sure to check out our friends over at AG1 because over at AG1, they're going to make sure that Whatever happened the day before, whatever's coming on that day that you've got coming up, AG1 is going to get you prepared for the day. And if you go to AG or uh, drinkag1.com slash DNVR Broncos, uh, you are going to get five free AG1 travel packs and a free year supply of immune supporting vitamin D. They have over 7,000 five star reviews. People love AG1, and it gets you the vitamins, minerals, probiotics needed for your day, all in just a single scoop and a cup of water to start your day. That's so it's deal. easy. Get you everything. So go to drinkag1.com slash Broncos. That's drinkag1.com slash Broncos. And after you have your AG1 in the morning, you can have your Breckett Ridge Distillery in the afternoon. Ooh. You know, it's a very, very tasty <laughs> whiskey. It was the 2022 Whiskey of the Year at the London Spirits Competition. 
Um, you know, you can bring in Juniper Berries to their Lions Distillery and get a free cocktail. I don't know about you, but free and drinks always sounds good yeah. to me. Um, they're really doing a great job. It's a great whiskey. Go check it out. Um, they're available in 40 states nationwide. So it's not just here in Colorado. It's great whiskey. Go have some. Right on. Okay. Let's anything else stand out to you today from practice besides Court and Russ? They were obviously the story today, but both of you guys were at practice. Jerry put a couple guys in a blender, uh, mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. like I was joking with somebody. Uh, that wasn't somebody. It was Pete Prisco uh, from CBS who you was can in name town. Drop. Yeah, it wasn't a name. Pete's not a name drop. It's so <laughs> damn negative. Uh, but no, I'm just I love Pete from the same hometown. And uh, we were joking like if there was like and one mixtape for like football and it was just straight like one-on-one -on -one drills like <laughs> jerry's on the squad like yes. jerry's on the yes. team because of what he can do in space and, and he did that a couple times we just need to see that more frequently um I, I do think when we were having this conversation about court and russ what jumps out at me a little bit is when i was here for days last year there was like a, the constant like hitch like from russ like he'd drop and there'd be a hitch and then he'd go mm -hmm. like that's that was that's been gone during this stretch like yeah. he's he's been like we keep saying on time, he'll have the drop and he'll go. He'll decide. Like he'll make the decision. The ball's out. It was. It's not the the indecisiveness for uh -huh. the split second. And what happens there, right? Like defense is another step. You throw a pick. Ball's not there on time. That part stood has stood out to me specifically with the balls we were saying to court and a couple of the other ones, where it's it's drop, it's step, it's go. It's it's all on time. The hitch hasn't really been there. In his motion, just the indecisiveness. Should I go with it now? Should I should I pull the trigger here? That's been kind of gone during this stretch, and that's huge. Yeah, it, it it is huge. And if you get Cortland and Jerry going this year, I mean, you, you said Cortland needs a big year. Jerry doesn't have to have one. They've already picked up his fifth year option. But Jerry Judy was viewed by many as the best receiver in that 2019 draft class. Yeah. And that draft class was viewed by many as the best receiving draft class in a decade or as long as people can remember, some people said. And so Jerry, he's been a good wide receiver mm -hmm. in the NFL and for the Broncos, uh, but he still hasn't had a thousand yard receiver. Sit on the field is yeah. part of that. It, exactly, exactly. But I think he can be more than just a thousand yard receiver. I think he can still be that special receiver that a lot of people believed he could be. And if Cortland is 2019 Cortland, and Jerry turns out to, to, to be this sort of Jerry Judy, I mean, that's just going to be huge for Russell Wilson. Yeah, I think so. And going back to your point about his decision-making ability, I think you don't want to make a fast decision. You want to make the right decision. Cool. And sometimes on the football field, you feel like you need to be rushed, but you have more time than you think. I remember as a linebacker, uh, my coach would tell me, like, after they hike the ball, almost take a breath because you have more time to get where you need to mm. and you can get there a lot faster if you know that you're diagnosing the play in the right way mm -hmm. so if it's a run play i don't need to shoot my gap now i could take my breath kind of see where the linemen are moving because it may be you know just high hat and it's really play action pass i get a lot more um to see before i make my move but as soon as i see it full speed now like there's no turning back we're going for it and i think he's starting to fall into that that bag and really understand you know, I don't have to make a quick decision. I just need to make the right decision. Todd, how tough is that, especially for a younger player to uh, trust that, to trust, like, just just let me take a quick breath because I'm sure yeah. your, your instincts are the complete opposite. It's, no, no, I got to be going right away. I can't miss a second of time. Yeah, because the game is so fast, so you want to – you feel like you have to be – um, ahead of it and you don't you yeah. just have to be on time with it but it does take time because you know if you see something 
if you see money on the floor, your first instinct is to reach and grab it. You know what I'm saying? You don't. And you may not see. The, you may not. <laughs> yeah. You may not see the string attached to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You may not see the string attached to it, and some guys over there just playing with you. But if you took a breath, you might not pick it up, and you can, you know, get to observe everything. So it takes time. Mm-hmm. Um. Excuse me. So we also You're found right out. There? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I was just choked up over this Mike McGlinchey injury. Um, <laughs> I can tell. And we found. We found you guys out. Know each other personally, <laughs> or what? Uh, he follows me on on Twitter. So oh, does he? I think, oh. that, I think that kind of means something. Nice. It means nothing. Um. But we found out McGlinchey uh, sprained his knee. So he's going to be out a couple of weeks. It doesn't seem like right now that there's uh, concern for the start of the season. I mean, look, it's August 9th right now. Season mm-hmm. starts September 10th. So we have a, a month out timeline, a couple of weeks. But I got to say, Isaiah Prince, who's filling in for him, what an under-the-radar signing by the Broncos. And he was brought in on a future reserve contract mm-hmm. in February. Typically, those are like the 80 to 90 guys on your roster in training camp. Right now, he's your backup tackle that, for the most part, is playing really well. And he's a guy that started in the Super Bowl just two years ago. So this might be George Payton, Sean Payton. Uh, Actually, this would be definitely a George Payton signing that could play really, really well for the Broncos. There were two things I was concerned about coming into camp. Like, how's the pass rush going to be? Because after Bradley Chubb was traded last year, it just kind of disappeared. It did. And... Would there be offensive line depth? I think we were all kind of thinking like, okay, you look at the big moves they made with Ben Powers and they bring in Mike McGlinchey at the very beginning of free agency and Garrett the last time he was healthy, played pretty decent. So they're like, okay, there's some positivity with Garrett. And then like Quinn Miners, there's been a lot of positivity in the building. They're like, okay, the line's like, all right. Like Mm -hmm. I think it's definitely improved from a year ago. Is there anybody, if anybody goes down? Because what happened last year? I mean, like I thought for a second they were dressing Zach and that wouldn't have that that worked out so well. You don't think? They played so many different offensive line. No, I don't think at all. So many different <laughs> offensive line combinations. The depth was extremely tested. It was a big part of Russ's struggles. Where's the depth here? Like, mm-hmm. And there was some optimism like, well, Camp Fleming's not a bad swing. Like, That's, that's, yeah. a, that's a decent spot. If you can have two guys that can play multiple spots, yep. uh, it's just it's everything. Because there's no way... You play the entire season with your starting five offensive mm-hmm. linemen. It just doesn't. It just doesn't really happen. No. So having that depth is so huge, and that's why in this point of camp right now, actually every team is just like stalking every other roster mm-hmm. in the league right now. All of the scouts have left the buildings. They're now around the league, kind of trying to see what's what because they want to see if somebody gets snipped somewhere that you can create depth. And the offensive line group is something everybody's looking at. If if Isaiah Prince works out. Like, that's massive to have two guys that can play behind your starting offensive line. It's huge. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that um, having that depth in that position specifically is going to work wonders for the Denver Broncos for the entire season. You know, there's a carousel of, you know, wide receivers that may come in the game or, uh, you know, safeties that come in in different packages. Your O-line is your O-line for the entire game. You don't switch those guys out. So if somebody goes down, it's really important to have somebody that can come in there and step up and play, you know, 70, 80 80 plays in a game. And so um, I think it's going to work out for them, and hopefully we'll have depth at the off of the line. That's something we haven't had. Um, It's a good thing. Yeah, it is a good thing, and James, you teed it up. That's one of the things you were looking for in camp. The other thing is the pass rushers, yeah. and personally, I think this pass rush group decides if this defense is a top 10 defense in the NFL. I think if they struggle, I think this could be borderline bottom third defense in the NFL. I think so much rests on this pass rushers, and coming into camp, 
I was really worried about him, especially Baron Browning gets mm-hmm. injured in the offseason, has a surgery, uh, so you don't have him. And I'm just thinking, oh, man, this is trending in the wrong direction. And yesterday, Vance Joseph said something that really opened my mind, and we talked about it, Todd. He said, this is the best outside linebacker room that I've had in quite some time. Mm-hmm. And he had a room with Von Miller. He has had Bradley Chubb on his team. Uh, he's had Shaq Barrett and Shane Ray on his team. He's had deep rooms before. But there's a reason he said that is because this room has been playing out of their mind the past two weeks. I think what he's looking at, and VJ's looking at it as, look at the depth I have in my room right now. It's mm-hmm. a variety of guys that are all going out there and actually, you know, they're all making plays, but they all play it a little bit differently. And I think if you asked him to, you know, peel back the onion a little bit further, I think he'd say, like, I got a little something of everything mm-hmm. in terms of pass rusher. Like Nick Benito in year two, what's impressed the staff the most is it seems like he's matured. Not a knock on his rookie year, but Todd, you know, like your first year in the league, you can be like, what is happening? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> okay, like I'm, I'm still like thinking maybe I, I feel like this is my last year of school. Yeah. I, I was just in college. Like right. I was at the neighborhood bar doing quarter night. <laughs> and like now you're in the league. Like the, the maturation he had was huge. The yeah. strength that he gained. They feel like he's just kind of coming into his body a little mm-hmm. bit more, which is another thing that happens in the early portion of your career, just kind of understanding what your makeup is and what you can get out of your body. He's kind of gotten a lot stronger. I know VJ talked about that a little bit. He was just yeah. a speed guy last year. He's got more power to him. I think that's a big part of it. Jonathan Cooper. Was, I mean, we can talk Buckeyes all day. He's grown by leaps and bounds since he got into the NFL. There was mm-hmm. always this athletic ability with him that teams were intrigued by, but nobody really knew what type of pass rusher he could become. And now, I mean, like he, like if you would put like the guys that have stood out the most, you're, 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 your medal winners of training camp so far. It's probably like Cortland Sutton, Justin Simmons, and and Jonathan Cooper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, no lie. Like, that's yeah, probably no. who I'd put in, in the group. So you have both the way they rush. And then Randy Gregory plays the position differently than that. And Frank plays the position differently yeah. than that. I think what VJ's saying is I got, like, a little something for everything. Mm-hmm. And the craziest part about this whole deal is – They've been getting home, and they are not, Todd, mixing anything up. There nope. is nothing exotic up front. It's one-on-one. It is just one-on-one wins. They haven't even put any of this stuff that VJ loves to do on the football field yet. They haven't even started using Drew Saunders, like how they want to use him as a playmaker to rush from the inside and do different things. That hasn't even started yet, and they're getting home. That's why VJ is so encouraged, because i got guys that can do it in a different way, yeah. each of them. Skill sets are a little different, and I'm not even like – doing what I do as a coach yet uh-huh. in terms of mixing it up. Yeah, it's a very versatile group. Um, and to your point about, you know, the defense will go as the D-line goes, I think it's true, but I also think it's about the offense and, and the quarterback. If mm-hmm. you can get out to a lead, if you can play with a league, now you can let those guys peer, pin their ear backs yeah. and really get after quarterbacks. Now, if we're down by 10 points and teams are running the ball, you know, every single play, and we got to wait at the line of scrimmage, there's no rush. We're here holding our gaps. It's a very different ball game as opposed to playing with the lead and being able to really get after opposing quarterbacks. Man, that's a good it point. just reminds me. Hey, that's a good me. point. Maybe I roasted the, like last year too much. They were behind in every game, so they mm-hmm. weren't really rushing. To go. <laughs> it, it, that's true, and it just reminds me of Vance talking with the media in 2017 and 2018. Nearly every single week he'd be asked about, How do you get more sacks? How do you get more pressure? And it was that exact same thing. He would just say, well, we have to get a lead or at least be close in a game or else there's just no opportunities for these pass rushers to pin their ears back. And in fact, I think it was 2019 when Vic took over his first season and it was supposed to be like, okay, Broncos are going to get so much pressure Uh now that they have Bradley Chubb, Von Miller and Vic Fangio dialing things up and they didn't have a single sack. 
the first four games of the season. And sure, the pass rush probably wasn't clicking in every way, but it also was because they just never had a lead to to give the team. And that's something that they could have this year with Sean Payton being the coach. I mean, when he took over the Saints, they were the second worst offense in the NFL right away. They had a top 10 offense, top five offense with Sean Payton that first year there. So you can expect an improvement on offense, which then could help that pass rush so much. And one of the things about this pass rush, you talk about how it's deep, and VJ said it, it's deep one through six. That's going to be huge because Randy Gregory has never played a full season um, in, in his time in the NFL. Jonathan Cooper has been injured a little bit. Baron Browning injured right mm-hmm. now. Another Frank Buckeye. Clark has a couple of... Uh, Another Buckeye. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's true. Just facts. Um, uh, Frank Clark has missed just like two or three games, but every single season. And so you can't count on all six guys if they all make the roster. Or all four guys, your top four guys being healthy. So that's why for Andy Gregory's out a couple of games, the way Jonathan Cooper's been playing, you're not going to miss much at all. Well, this is what we are like forgetting as well. It's not just the outside linebackers. Like It's, it's playing these games off of the DNs and different things you can do. We didn't. We had this whole chat about getting to the quarterback and everything. We didn't mention Zach Allen once. Uh-huh. Like the way Zach <laughs> yeah. Allen has been playing has been really. I mean, they they wanted to bring him in from the minute VJ got the job. Mm-hmm. It was like Zach Allen is coming with VJ. Like that was the plan from the jump. And I do think, like, t- in my head, I'm thinking Todd, like Vaughn working off of Wolf, Wolf right, exactly, and th- yeah. that type of thing, and how you can work off of a really good defensive end that probably doesn't maybe sometimes get all the credit uh-huh. that they probably deserve and Vaughn getting some of those sacks, although Vaughn would always give Derek like some credit in the media and how we would talk, you know, he makes life easy on me and we play off each other really well. Zach got an unbelievable uh, compliment from Sean Payton, which he was like, I don't want to compare players. I don't want to say he's this, but he ro- reminds me of Trey Hendrickson. Mm-hmm. And that is a, that is a, really great comp that he had in new orleans and trey's been so good in cincinnati playing under lou anarimo like if you can make that impact at the dn that constant motor where you can keep impacting things so i want you to talk about this todd like you can keep impacting things to make life easier on guys on the outside even on the second attempt Mm -hmm. they get home right because you keep a constant motor going of just causing disruption that other guys can play off yeah, it's really an unselfish position, um, him being able to, you know, occupy a tackle um, or give a guard a little tug when, you know, uh, you know that, that end is wrapping or that outside linebacker is wrapping is really an unselfish position. And um, they help in the run and the pass game. There's so many times that Derek Wolf would close up two gaps, you know, for me, and I can just go around and make a quick play. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be big. I think Zach Allen is a huge addition to the team. Um, I think, you know, that front four or five, the way they play, I think is going to be – Kim has the power to be dominant. Well, you just got to see if they do it. And I got to say, this is no disrespect to Draymond Jones because I think he he's going to be a great player for the Seahawks. And that, he is a good player. He's a really good that, player. He's another Buckeye. Yeah, God, yeah. they just keep coming. <laughs> they just keep coming. Can't help it. No, Zach you can't Allen. help talking about Urban either. <laughs> oh, yeah. Zach Allen, <laughs> not, not a Buckeye. No. I think he's going to be an upgrade, though. Uh, especially just the way, the familiarity with Vance. Like you said, they wanted him from the moment that Vance got here. He is playing with his head on, with his hair on fire. He has been incredible, and having that inside force is just massive. Because not only Derek Wolf, but in that Super Bowl Fifty team, you also have Malik Jackson, yep. who was just a monster as well. Yeah, that group, I, your guys' group was that insane. was a crazy group. Yeah, so many guys uh, went on to be great players and got paid. I think that it showed how dominant of a group that we had all the way around, from like the first string to the second string. Shaq Bear was a backup. I was a backup. 
Um, you had so many guys. David Bruton was a backup. Like, we just had guys that you can <laughs> plug nuts. and play that didn't even start at times and that were really good players. Yeah. Peyton that, Manning was a backup that, for uh, one game of the season. That depth is huge, and that's one of my – I mean, this is off topic, but that's one of my concerns about this team. Like, the picks that you gave up to get Russ, mm -hmm. you gave up more picks to get your head coach. Like, what do those picks do? They, they hurt your depth. Yeah. I think if you look at the 22, you're like, it's a pretty good team. Nobody's 22 plays the whole year. Uh -huh. Like, you know what I mean? So I am curious in camp, some of these guys, like we were seeing it from Brandon Johnson for a minute there, where it's like, this guy's rolling with the ones? Like – you got to yeah. find that next guy up within this roster because you've been hampered by your drafts the last couple of years, yeah. and that's where you start stacking. A lot of times, really good teams, we could talk about teams like the Eagles and stuff that are deep. I think Philly probably is the deepest team in the league. When your draft picks and sit there and sit mm -hmm. and learn, they play special teams, they do different things, they come in, but they're learning from guys behind, in front of them. Like Denver doesn't have that luxury. Like mm -hmm. Everybody's got to come in and contribute, and the depth is a concern for me. It's my negative thing for the day. I'll be positive the rest of the way, I promise. <laughs> but that, that's concerning because you just, you're lacking capital you have for the last couple of years. Yeah, and someone asked about Brandon Johnson. He sprained his ankle also mm. out a week, two, three. We'll see on him. And James, he was evolving into the Broncos' third receiver. It it's, listen, it doesn't matter. I, I, I love coaches where it doesn't matter how you got there. Uh -huh. Like, yep. that's the biggest thing. And Sean is that way too. And he, he worked his way into that spot, which I do think, like, Losing Tim again is a massive, massive blow. But that, that's an example. I just think I didn't want to see him go down because to me what it shows, and I'm curious, like in a locker room, when you see that guy running with the ones, you're like, oh, any of us can get in there if we just play. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, coach, right. coach will put anybody in there if they're playing. That shows the rest of the group like, oh, okay, like I got a shot to, to, to impress. That, that was a spot for us. I'm excited to see like Mims and see what, you know, other things other aspects that they can use. You could almost use Dulcich in the middle of the field, mm -hmm. honestly. He's not blocking anybody. Yeah. So dig it, Greg <laughs> Dulcich there. But, like, he's not blocking anyone. You could put him in the slot. You could find different ways. You now, with Tim Down, might have to find a variety of ways to, to fill that spot. And you can do it with different guys, actually, and different personnel. Yeah, yeah. You, you know I love uh, coaching staffs like that where the best right? player plays. <laughs> um, because I think when I was at the Saints or even here, the year I came to the Broncos, I think they had drafted three linebackers that year. Um, and wow. basically based off of my performance and practice and showing that, you know, I knew the playbook, they gave me the opportunity to start. I think I was here for two games and then I ended up starting uh, that very next game. So I'm all about the best player playing. I don't know why it's ever a question. What goes through your head in that when you see a team? Like, oh, shit, they're drafting, drafting linebackers. Uh -huh. here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was. Yeah. Especially when I got here, like I was here. They claimed me, and I look around the room, and they're like, oh, yeah, all these guys are rookies, too. We all drafted. I'm yeah. like, how am I going to get on the field? You <laughs> exactly, drafted these right. guys. Because, yeah. you know, usually coaches are like, no, these are my guys. I want to see them play. I want to see them succeed, even if you give them 10 opportunities and they can't do it. Um, some coaches don't know how to let go of the guys they drafted for the best player in the room. Not calling myself best player in the room, but, you no, know. your best player in the room. I'll Letting that guy who's showing you that he can play actually have an opportunity. And so um, it's refreshing to see. I think that it's. Is how organizations should be run. I mean, it's no surprise that we're talking about Sean Payton as one of these guys, and then Gary Kubiak and Wade Phillips. I yeah. mean, those were the coaches that that give those guys those opportunities. And you were there with the Broncos when it was Gary Kubiak and Wade Phillips giving the best players the opportunity to play, and not just going based off. Well, this was a first round pick. We well, we've got to give him twenty five chances uh -huh. until we finally take him off the field. 
first off, Saul Coob's in Cleveland. He was there yeah. watching Browns practice. Mm. He's, he can't help himself. He's just bouncing around all these teams. He loves just it. hanging out. He loves it. He's got Coob's <laughs> on the knee. He's got his script in his hand. I was like, is that Coob out in Berea? <laughs> yeah, he's been to like Jags camps, bunch of camps. But anyway, why do coaches do that? Because if the guy that you drafted gets beat out by the undrafted guy, you that's on you screwed up the draft yeah. Yeah. like you the front office wants to give that guy every chance yeah. he can because we picked this player when that player that you picked in say round two say round three gets beat out by the undrafted guy it's like well, why the hell did you guys pick this guy that's yeah. that's what ownership's gonna think yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. ownership's yeah. gonna go yeah. you guys screwed up the draft right you have to be comfortable enough mm-hmm. in a few things one your job security which yeah. we know sean's comfortable enough in confidence sean's not lacking that to be able to say no 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 i don't care if we if we pick this guy, this undrafted kid that we just brought in is out playing and let's put him up. It's actually harder than you think it is to play that guy. Like Todd, like Todd's experience, yeah. it takes a lot of stones to like to do that because you're almost in the same time, you know that guy's better, but uh-huh. you're admitting your mistake in the draft yep. that you found somebody better. And it's hard for some coaching staffs to understand that. Because your job's on the line, essentially. Mm-hmm. And if you're in the front office. 100%. We've got uh, a debate coming up that James really wants to get to. Oh, yeah, I pitched this. I pitched this And and it's great, and I think Todd's going to have incredible insight. But first, got to tell you about our friends over at Kind Love, where if you want to get the turbo joint, you find it over at Kind Love, where they've got so many great products, including their turbo joint line which is going to pack the punch the turbo keef they call it it's potent the turbo core anything turbo they've got over at kind love scan the qr code on our screen or go to kindlove.com for all of their products or you can visit one of their stores in cherry creek or north denver and if you mention dnvr you're going to receive 25 percent off all kind love flower pre-rolls and turbo joints so check them out kindlove.com or visit them in cherry creek or north denver and use that code dnvr for 25 percent off and everybody mm. knows what happens after you uh enjoy some kind love you get hungry what's <laughs> <laughs> called the munchies and i think if you are you should go over to illegal pete's Oof. uh this episode of dnvr broncos is brought to you by illegal pete's now you know, this is my first week doing reads and, you know, some of the You're things I've... This guy on it, right here, who is it? I'm trying to find where it is. They said Todd is stacking days on his reads. He is. There it is. That's what Todd's. I'm talking about. Now, some of these things I've tried before and some of these things I've yet to try, but Illegal Pete's is definitely something I have weekly. Like Illegal Pete's, I go in there, I get me a bowl, I get extra salsa, extra cheese, and I do the steak. It's mm. like, it's, it's wonderful. So go in there Love and have you some illegal piece. Uh, they said they're offering handmade mission style burritos, bowls, and tacos crafted with responsibly source high quality ingredients. You can't put, you know, what is it? You can't put hot to fuel in a, a Ferrari. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. You got to have the high quality ingredients. So head over to illegal pizza. Um, enjoy a bowl really quick. So be- before we get into this conversation, I am am always surprised, and I guess I don't know what it's like right now, but in the past, the type of food that is served in some teams' cafeterias, yeah. because especially after Vaughn said, I'm not putting unleaded fuel in this Ferrari, talking about his body, yeah. I'm, I'm always shocked at just how there's so much fried food. Now, I understand people got to get their calories uh-huh. in, especially football players, especially the oh, big guys me. who are burning you know, 10,000 calories a day yet have to maintain their weight. But 
is that is, is that ever something you thought of? Like, man, there's a lot of junk food that we have access to here. Yeah, I think every organization is different. I mean, the Broncos do a great job of having like a chef there that can literally make you what you want and try and keep you on your diet plan. But some teams offer like legit middle school cafeteria food, <laughs> yeah. like mac and cheese that's maybe four days old. Like, <laughs> it's some every organization is different, and it's and it, and some of them aren't doing a great job as far as feeding their players and, um, you know. I think I think that needs to change for guys to have you know better diet and just be better. But the Broncos do have a great uh, ice cream selection Ooh. during training camp. Ooh, yeah, it's good stuff, man. You can go in there, pick what you want. I used to have a coach loving to death, but he would walk by the ice cream uh, ice cream bar and grab like four or five different <laughs> ice cream bars, stuff them in his shirt like nobody saw. I'm like, no, coach, we just saw you grab all those ice cream bars. Go upstairs and kill him, man. He loved it. <laughs> I'll tell you, I know what the Steelers eat because. You go to Latrobe, you get to eat with the team. Mm -hmm. oh, I was eating with man. the team when I was in Latrobe with the Steelers, and there's too many options, man. I I'd like I overate. I was struggling. I think I was living a little bulky on television. Uh, <laughs> camera adds ten pounds. I was like rocking twenty five over a normal JP weight because I was like I had a crab cake sandwich, I had sushi, I had uh, a chicken Caesar salad. Mm. I also had some pasta kind of on the side. If it's free and oh. it's like every option's there, I made yep. a smoothie to go. <laughs> like, I had everything under the sun and you're in there eating with TJ Watt and everybody else. And I'm just kind of curious to your point. I'm like, like when it's endless, I have a hard time stopping, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. you know, like, and it, that, that shit is endless for yeah. players. Like you can go in like three times if you yeah. want to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it does vary with every team. I appreciate uh, the staff over there at St. Vincent college. Uh, Feeding me up. It was great. Unless it's Cardinals, then you got to pay for your dinner, well, apparently, no. which no. is just wild. That's crazy. That is no. nuts. So, James, you, you've dropped that you've been to um, Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. uh, you've been to Philly. Mm -hmm. uh, you've been to Kansas City. Mm -hmm. Did I hit everywhere? No. Oh, oh Houston? <laughs> Houston. Where else? Cleveland. Wait, this is? Cincinnati. And this was in the last week. Six? That's not no. even Denver. I didn't include Denver. So it's been uh, one week, seven? Seven yeah. different teams? They just send the Some PJ, they just fly you out? What's, what's <laughs> Actually, going on? Actually, no. If you follow me on Instagram, you saw some of my uh, travel issues. I ended up spending a night in Dallas, which I didn't expect to happen. I was trying to connect from Kansas City. Brand new airport, beautiful, way better than the one they had. Flight situation still blows. So I had to go from <laughs> Kansas City to Chicago to Philly try to get there to see Eagles practice the next morning, land at like midnight. Well, mechanical problems don't end up getting to Chicago, so I jump on an American Airlines flight and it takes me to Dallas to Philly. Well, jetway problems and the jet bridge <laughs> won't come up. I miss my connection to, uh, to Philadelphia and Dallas. And as I'm making like an Instagram story, on the escalator about how like I'm gonna spend the night in Dallas, everything's gone terribly wrong. My bag just like plummets down the escalator oh, like the entire gosh. way, and I like turn the camera. I'm like, yeah, it's the kind of day we're having here. Um, and then I went into a Marriott, and uh, it was already somebody's room that they gave me at like midnight. I was, I was like, sup, dude? <laughs> He's just sleeping. Yeah, no, he wasn't in there. Thankfully, all the stuff was in there. But I had to get another room. This is not PJ situation. Flying home from Cleveland was terrible. The guy next to me was a seat and a half wide. So I was like, <laughs> I rode the whole way, three hours back to Denver, leaning forward because uh -huh. if I went back, we both didn't fit. So no, this is not PJ situation. That's middle seat, baby. But yeah, wow. a, lot of a lot of travel. Should have drove to Pittsburgh. We had delays there. It took longer oh uh, to fly, but it was awesome. It's, it's still great to get to every camp. Like, yeah. I'm not complaining, but it was, uh, it was not PJ stuff. PJ style by any means. Holy <laughs> smokes, that is something. So we gotta follow your Instagram. Yeah. 
I mean, there's Twitter, now Instagram as well. Yeah. Um, That's X, bro. Oh, X. Oh, hey, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Thank you. I do see that every day now. Um, <laughs> and so, James, you noticed something. Some people last year hated Nathaniel Hackett taking it easy on the Broncos. Some people yeah. said, hey, Nathaniel's taking it easy on the Broncos mm -hmm. in training camp in order to have guys healthy mm -hmm. throughout the season. And if you buy that, I bought it last year. I'm like, man, health is the most important thing. I mean, you look at the Chiefs last year. Yes, they have Patrick Mahomes. Yes, they have Andy Reid. Yes, they have Travis Kelsey. They were also the, the healthiest team throughout the entire season. The Broncos, 2015 Broncos, you guys were incredibly healthy outside of Peyton Manning, which is mm -hmm. a huge, like, outside of this guy. Yeah. But still, that defense, unbelievably healthy for the most part. Health is so important. So I bought that from Nathaniel Hackett last year. Like, And then, of course, I mean, week one comes around. Guys are going down left and right. So mm -hmm. the easy training camp didn't help the, the health of the team moving forward. But now you look at it. What did Sean Payton say he's going to do? He's going to do the opposite of what Nathaniel Hackett did. So we just saw the Broncos last week go six straight days of practice in training camp. That is a grind. Mm -hmm. And we're not talking walkthroughs every three days like Hackett did. No, we're talking real practices every single day. And so there's this debate in Broncos country. What's right? What's wrong? Is this the right way that they're doing it? And you've seen so many different camps. Neither way's right and neither way's wrong. No, oh, that's no, gonna no. Upset so some I'm going to tell you this. <laughs> okay. As I stopped through my camps, let's we mentioned Pittsburgh. Let's start there. Like they had a fully padded scrimmage, fully padded scrimmage within themselves in front of fourteen thousand fans in Latrobe. The next morning, I'm there for practice. Mike T's running three, four periods that are full tackle to the ground. Wow! Full tackle to the ground after they had a scrimmage the night before. We I talked to Joey Porter Jr. He's like, dude, my entire body just hurts. Mm -hmm. Like this was like this was in like a fourteen hour span that all this hitting ended up happening. You talked about. Andy Reid being healthy. Andy still runs one of the toughest camps in all of football. They mm -hmm. run a period where they start on the 10, ones versus ones, until it gets to the end zone. Defense mm -hmm. gets a stop. It's a new first down right there. Keep yeah. going. That period can go on for an eternity. Wow. And it's just to drag guys so they stay sharp mentally when their bodies start getting fatigued. Yep. And Andy runs such a hard camp up there in St. Joe. I went from Kansas City to Philadelphia. Who played in the Super Bowl? Yep. Kansas City and Philadelphia. Nobody has run an easier camp than I've been to than mm. Nick Sirianni and the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm. The longest they go is an hour and a half. They started camp day on, day off, day on, day off, day on, day off to start camp. Wow. Most days are about an hour 15. Like, you could not have a more different approach than Seriously. Nick Sirianni and Andy Reid. Mm -hmm. And the reason I thought of having this topic is I'm up in Cleveland and uh, Kevin Stefanski, good old uh, Philadelphia guy, um, of course, gets asked about the Steelers from one of the beat reporters. They're going tackle to the ground yesterday, Kev. Like, what? You guys not running practice hard enough? Mm. And so I saw Kevin afterwards, and I was just like, hey, man, you're just running a weak, weak show. <laughs> man. You're just running a weak show. And he's like, dude, like, there's no right or wrong way to entirely do it you got to have a feel for your team mm -hmm. you got to have a feel for what works for your guys i will say this as light as sirianni goes in terms of contact the situational work that they puts them through is next level 
Like, mm. I saw him lay into Jalen Hurts. Like, I've never seen anybody lay into their quarterback after he was supposed to run for, like, seven, eight yards and slide, hand the ball to the referee, no timeouts, end-of-game situation. Jalen runs for, like, 18 yards, slides, Ooh. does not hand the ball to the ref. They run out of time. Dak can't Prescott kick it. situation. Yeah, can't mm. kick it. And Nick lays into him. Mm. Todd, it's kind of like, to me, you got to know what works for your squad. Now, that is a veteran team. Yes. There's guys like Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey and, yep. you know, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham. Those guys are in 10, 12, 14 years. You know that you got to, like, manage your squad. But there really is a stark difference between the two teams that were in the Super Bowl in terms of their training camp approach. You know, I would say, personally, I like uh, for there to be fully padded practices and for camp to be hard. I think it's supposed to be hard. Okay. You don't gain muscle unless you stress your body. I think that's important. Um, I do see the other side of it, and I think you have to have a good combination of it, like you said, with veteran players. Like, mm -hmm. maybe you give them a day off, or maybe you let them have, you know, like a day on, day off. But those young guys, they got to grind it out. You got to learn what it means to be in the NFL. I mean... I watch a lot of like uh, Army or Marine uh, documentaries and Green Berets stuff. Oh, Those guys don't have no day no off. Here. This is awesome. <laughs> they don't have any days off. I mean, when the they're going, when they're going right through, <laughs> I'm ready for anything. Can yeah. you see me? I didn't even know Todd <laughs> no. was wearing pants. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, they they go no days off. If something's hurting, if something's broken, wrap it up. We keep running, you know, these 19 miles, and it doesn't have to be that extreme. But I think. Guys need to be stressed so that your body knows how to handle it. I think so many guys got injured last year because you got to push your body to a certain point to understand, so your body understands what, what it's going through. If you've never been in a game full speed and, and done that for more than, let's say, 30 minutes, the first time you do it, your body's going to start tensing up. It won't know how to handle it. And I think I like when, especially for myself, I like being able to get warmed up and really you know, have a hard practice that's sometimes harder than any game I'll go through it because my body won't shut down on me when it's in that moment of uh, weakness, I guess. And for the most part, the Broncos don't have that many really old guys outside of Kareem Jackson. Mm -hmm. who, and uh, one thing Sean Payton's doing is giving Kareem enough veteran rest days. So the guys yeah. that do need the rest, Sean Payton is taking care of. Yeah, I think so. But I do think there's an aspect to this that I didn't bring up in my lengthy demonstration of the variety of camps. <laughs> the competitiveness. Yeah. And, and how you compete. Like, Mike Tomlin has his guys compete in everything. I will say this. As light as some of those practices are in Philadelphia, Nick Sirianni makes sure that they are extremely competitive. And when you compete in those snaps, like, it is, it is the most competitive thing you'll see. Now, it might be a smaller group, but you better be, and Nick thinks of this in a little ways, like, when I tell you we got to turn this on and you got to be ultra competitive and we are, like having this period to be pretty much everything we may go light you better not screw up that period yeah. like you better not so the competitive part of it is how coaches are finding different ways like there's a different approach in every you know every city you're in climate plays a factor too honestly like down in like florida like it's a little tougher man no mm -hmm. lie like it's a little tougher in houston like to run some of these camps but it is just interesting to see the different approach that every coach has and i'm fascinated by it because i don't think there's a really right or wrong deal i think there's a hint of luck into your preparation i think your nutrition is a giant part of the mm -hmm. way your organization works i think your individual players and leadership and what you do away from the facility before you get to camp is a huge part of it as well there's so many different factors but it is fascinating that like two stark differences got to the super bowl last year and both teams were super healthy like really yeah. philly was really healthy yeah. Yeah. as well last year yeah. it's just it's just really interesting 
Yeah, it, it, it is really interesting. And I told Todd this during practice today. The Broncos, specifically on defense, they're lucky that you didn't become an interim coach or something <laughs> uh, with Vance this year because, man, you are all about the tough hard they're having football. water breaks what's a water break <laughs> exactly <laughs> what's fatigue that's army clothes no. <laughs> i mean the team's not sprinting he's like man these guys are soft like, oh man these guys are lucky that you're here and not on the field yeah i know and it's it's, t- it's funny because if i was in the thick of things i yeah, probably wouldn't of course even, of i course. probably wouldn't even be saying anything but uh going back to your point about competitiveness i think that may be a key to um different types of training camps like mm-hmm. if you're able to get guys to really dive in and find that, I guess, that dog within them or that competitive side that they need to play a full game. Maybe it is enough to have a lighter practice, but have periods where it is balls to the wall and you got to yep. figure out who you are as a, as a man and as a football player because that's what I remember from the hard training practices. You know, we're two, we're two hours in and we got an eight-play drive and now we're backed up. We're almost on the goal line. We got to find a stop. And if mm-hmm. we don't, they're going to punch us in our mouth. And the guys that we're going up against, I mean, they're not they're not going to take it easy on you. The old line we had, um, CJ Anderson, like, you better come and hit or else you're going to mm-hmm. get hit. And then your coaches are rewinding all day on film. You know what I'm saying? You not yeah. showing up. So I, I see what you're saying with yeah. that. And then is there a point, like, I'm curious, some of these longer teams, these teams that practice longer, like, is there a point where you're just doing it to do it? And it's no longer a valuable rep, right? Yes. Because you're just getting worked into the ground. And you're like, I think that's some of that new wave thinking that Sirianni has. I mean, look, you look at these other teams that have tons of success. Sean McVay barely practices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they would do, during the season, the Rams do like an entire week in sneakers. Like, cleats don't even go on <laughs> yeah. for like an entire week with the Rams. See, that's my type so, of training. Yeah, practice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those look comfy, man. They look well, good. They are, yeah. So I, I guess my point is like, when some of these work, you know, these, these harder driven camps, Sometimes, like, there's got to be reps, right, where you're like, I think we're just doing this to do this, man. Like, we got mm-hmm. this. Can we change it up? Can we do something just maybe if it's shorter and ultra competitive, we're all sharper and we move on to the next thing. Does that ever happen yeah, in definitely. terms of things dragging? Yeah, I would say anything over maybe two hours, two hours and 15 minutes, anything over that is usually excess. Like, yeah. I remember sometimes with Vic, we would have, like, a three-hour practice. Yeah. But after two hours, you should be able to get all the work in that you need. It shouldn't grow any further than that really so sometimes you are just out there sometimes it is just hot like what are we doing at this yeah, point yeah, yeah. yeah that's why i think and that's why i think some of the guys just like this this these guys this this 15 minutes here in this period this is everything yeah like i need i need the most competitive thing you can yeah. give i need the most focus you can give and we're out of here yep like there is that in some of these guys thinking it's it's been it's cool to see like it's cool to see how they vary from spot to spot because the drills vary the order of periods vary Mm -hmm. um it's just really interesting how every head coach just handles it a little bit a little bit differently and it's a feel for your team and that's what sean's working through right now and i think having a feel for your team's huge i think i wanted to ask him this today and i haven't really asked him like how guys like marquez calloway and and little jordan humphrey or or adam troutman or, or guys that have been with him before Obviously, they're trying to make the squad and they're mm-hmm. trying to like do their individual thing. But guys that know his culture, what is he seeing any results of them being here? Just guys that have been through how he runs practice, been mm-hmm. through what he wants out of players, been what he, through he wants uh, out of you mentally as a player, and understands the culture of winning that he's created. Has there been any instances that he's seen those guys just kind of spread that within the locker room? Even if though, if that's true, 
even if those guys don't make the team, that might be yeah. valuable uh-huh. that we saw this during camp, that they able to just kind of spread Sean's gospel in a sense of how he does things because you have guys that have been with him. Have I think everybody that was kind drinking of the juice? Strategic, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Juice, yeah, you know, like, you know, I, I just think like that might have been strategic in a sense. Like, I don't know what this guy says left, but he sure knows what we do. Mm-hmm. I mean, seven people, seven people that were former Saints, I should say players, that our former Saints are now on this team. And outside of the receiver group, they're spread all throughout the team. I think there yeah. probably is something to that. Absolutely. Um, and uh, What's a super chat question? Super chat. It means they're additional little money. Oh, way. really? And this so guy we, said he didn't see my super chat Yeah, question. don't worry. We do get to super chats okay. in the next segment. Well, he was concerned. Eminem and was concerned. Well, absolutely. We're, we're, we're going to get to that. So, okay. I got um, you. In just a second. And I just want to wrap this up. Uh, James, you said something interesting with the Chiefs, how they start at the 10-yard line and they have to score Mm -hmm. until the period's over. And they're lucky they have Patrick Mahomes on that team because if this was the 2016 Broncos, 2017 Broncos, that period might still be going. 60-play period. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It still might be going with that defense going up against uh, that offense. So good thing they have Mahomes. Well, yeah, Yeah, I guess. I mean, that period can drag, man. That period can go for... For a minute, and and so it is. It's a really fun thing to see because you see both sides by the end. And but that's the point. Like that drive can happen mm-hmm. in the league. Like that can happen yeah. on Sunday. You know, you can have a ninety-yard drive. You got to be on as a defense. Yeah, and that. if they don't let you sub, like you you're go. there, man. And so I I do think there's there's aspects to the way Andy works it. Like it's just so funny that he has one school of thought, and other people have other schools of thought. Um, I think Sean's probably closer to Andy in a sense of of how he wants camp to go. But it's weird because we're talking about individuals training and how they change, like court, how he changed his training. Like yeah. a lot of coaches don't change what they what they think works. Uh-huh. That'll stay year in and year out, and it has for Andy. Yeah, yeah, really, really interesting. And speaking of the Chiefs, I got one question for you before we jump into the super chats. Okay. First, I got to tell you about our friends over at Breckenridge oh, Brew. We've got tease. Avalanche Amber Ale right here. And if you want the beer of the summer, Mountain Beach Sour is where it's at. Nice light beer. You get that sour kick in there as well. And if you want some, come by the Breckenridge, or come by the DNVR bar, or you can check out Breckenridge Brewery as well. This Friday, come down here. We're going to have some Mountain Beach flowing. We're going to have Breckenridge beer flowing for the Broncos' first game, 8 p.m. Join us for Friday Night Live where we're going to be here. And if you can't make it to the bar, go to breckbrew.com. Check out their beer locator to find all their beer. And for some sunglasses, if you ever need some, check out Shady Rays. Uh, using the code DNVR will get you 50% off your deal, which is huge. Um, t- take on the sun with gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades and affordable price. For So for me, this is particularly important because I have really sensitive eyes. So if you see me outside, I'm always wearing sunglasses. So I haven't visited Shady Rays yet, but best believe I'm using the code DMVR to get my 50% off. And I may try to talk to the manager to get another 25% <laughs> off and see what we can make happen. But go go to Shady Rays and get your shades. Todd, Wait, you- but you didn't play with a visor. No, I didn't. But Did you he, ever think about it? I did. And sometimes I look back when I'm out and realize how much like my eyes are sensitive to the sun, like I'm squinting all the time. I feel like I should have, and I feel like I regret not wearing it in like those early, early games in the season. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. Todd, in this, in this first week with with you rolling with us, we've talked about your style. Mm -hmm. Were your, I think you took that to another step today. Were your sunglasses matching your shoes? Um, 
No, not exactly. Are you sure? One was Gucci, one was Burberry. We won't oh, say which okay. is which, but you know what I'm this saying. This is sexy pizza. <laughs> <laughs> the patterns were very similar. They were. Okay, fair. I was like, damn, that's next level uh, doing that. Um, okay, James, do the Broncos have to – here's my Chiefs question. Do the Broncos okay. have to worry about Chris Jones this year? What's going on with them? I, I think he's going to be there. This has gotten to another level. Uh, it really has. Like, if you know Chris at all, and I know him a little bit, Chris does not give a, you know what? You, flying. you can curse on here, right? Yeah, but I'm yeah. not going to do it. I'm going to keep <laughs> But he, he's, he, if you remember the last time they had a contract negotiation and he had no money, mm. he like fought tooth and nail and held his ground. Mm. Now he's got money. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a four-year, $80 million contract he's, he's in the last year of. If he didn't care when he didn't have money, mm -hmm. <laughs> I probably doesn't care now either. I think what ended up happening... Um, actually, I know what ended up happening is the deal the was guy. expected to be between the Jeffrey Simmons deal and Aaron Donald. Then the Quinn and Williams deal happens, mm. which is also between those two. Mm -hmm. And I think Chris Jones and I think all of us would agree. Chris Jones is about here. Quinn and Williams and Jeffrey Simmons are about down yep. here. Yeah. Yep. So now Chris is probably like, wait, this needs to be like at Aaron Donald level. If exactly. that's what these guys are right. getting. And that's where kind of this is, you know, kind of at a standstill. I do know the Hunt family is, and Brett Veach can be very firm in their stance as well, which is why we're at like this, yeah. this impasse, because they all thought it was going to be done right before camp, but what happened right before camp, the Quinn Williams deal. Right. And so I think he's going to be, he's already been tagged once. So another tag after this year, I mean, there's not going to do that. Mm -hmm. I just think he's the only guy on the defense making any money. So Pay him. Yeah. Most teams pay two pass rushers. Yep. yep. Like that's that's common around the league. They're not paying anybody on the defense really, <laughs> other than Chris. So I don't understand why you just don't pay him. I mean, he's the reason you got to the Super Bowl. For sure. And what he did against Chris Jones. I mean, he did against Joe Burrow. Chris Jones is he. Yep. Uh, yep. Did against Burrow. Like this has been really interesting. But both sides are standing pretty firm. But I think you're going to see him in a Chiefs uniform. Yeah. And this this is a real holdout, right? This yeah. isn't this a hold in. This doesn't happen anymore. This is a real holdout because this doesn't happen anymore because in the new CBA, uh, back in the day, you used to do your holdout, right? And you'd get the fine. Uh -huh. And then when you when you know were going to put pen to paper, the team would just you know take the fine and just say, like, no, nah, man, you don't have to pay that. Yeah. We're good. We're good. We got the deal done. The new CBA, that's not allowed anymore. That's you have you. to pay the fine. Yeah. It is not negotiable. Now, the way some things vary are, like Josh Jacobs not reporting, he's on a rookie deal and he hasn't signed his contract. Right. He hasn't signed his free uh, his uh, franchise tag, so like he's not getting fined right. in that sense. There's different variations. Where Chris is right now, he has to pay the 50k and he will never be reimbursed. Anyway. Now they could easily put it into the contract, mm -hmm. the yeah, amount sure, that he sure. paid, and put that onto like his signing bonus or something. But no, there's no like waiving it anymore, like there like there used to be back in the day. This is, I mean, it really is legitimately something to watch. Like th this holdouts don't really happen anymore. Yep. I mean, when guys are upset, they're just standing at practice. I think right, we see a lot right. of shots of Jonathan Taylor just the standing out there. The hold in. This is a real hold out. We're talking like $750,000 that he's approaching in terms of fines. And like you said, they can make it work so it doesn't actually happen. But these are real He real has to pay those, right so now. He does have yes. to pay them. Todd, $50,000 a day. That'd be tough to hold out on. Heck yeah. I mean, and that kind of money he is making in his contract is, is more than linebacker money, so I would be a camp, you <laughs> right? know? Uh, but as a linebacker fan, I, I mean, as a, as a Bronco fan, I kind of hope that it doesn't work out. Yeah. Like, that it takes as long as <laughs> yeah. it can. But um, let me ask you guys this. Like, with quarterbacks, everybody's cool, just the next quarterback gets the next biggest deal. Yep. 
and the next quarterback gets the next biggest deal, and that resets the market. Why are we not like? Why is everybody not okay with Chris Jones resetting the market over Aaron Donald? Yeah. Like, every, and I get it. Everybody goes, "Well, Aaron Donald's in a league by himself." Exactly. Well, Patrick Mahomes in a league by himself, and everybody yeah. has broken that Just contract. Him, yeah. Right. So touche. That that's the part that's been interesting to watch with this. Like that, there's no budge on it. Outside pass rushers, there's usually been it's been okay to pass each one. We're yeah, watching, yeah, yeah. you know, Nick Bose is probably going to reset that market when his deal gets done. For some reason, like nobody wants to admit that a deal could be better than Aaron Donald's, mm -hmm. and it's really interesting because like really Herbert just broke it, and then Burrow's going to break Herbert's uh, anytime now, and so. We're cool with the quarterbacks passing each other, but nobody right now is like okay with Chris Jones passing Aaron Donald, which is kind of interesting to watch. And to be fair to Chris Jones, he's probably in that next tier. Like yeah. he, he's in yeah. that next group right under Aaron Donald. So if anyone's going to pass him, it probably yeah. is him, not just with the individual success, but he's, the he, team he, success as yeah, well. Yeah, I think Aaron is in a world of his own, but I think Chris is like in a league of his own right below him. Yeah. Like, yeah. He is a dominant pass rusher. He is, and that's the thing we have to get over as well. And this has been an issue with like nickel corners. I mean, Chris always complained about it back mm -hmm. in the day where he was like, right. me, me in the middle of the field is unbelievable value. If, but I'm, if I'm the best nickel corner in the league, I don't get paid like the best corner in the league yep. when it's also extremely valuable. Tight end is a spot that like we're seeing running back. Like yep. it's been interesting to see. Uh, still evaluate outside pass rushers and inside pass rushers as two completely different things. Mm -hmm. When the inside pass rushes become so important to the NFL because of the athletes at the quarterback position, and it's not getting valued with Chris. And that's why he's kind of holding his ground. And it's it's kind of for the good of the league, and I think, honestly, yeah. it's for the good of the rest of the interior pass rushers that he's not just caving to a, caving to a deal. Yeah, and if anyone has that power, it's, it's probably him. Stone cold. And like you said, Todd, right now, the more Chris Jones sits out, the happier the Broncos are going to be. Yeah. 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 Sure. He won't be prepared. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Ten, uh, plug out our network. NFL Top 100. What is he, number 10? Uh -huh. Yeah. I mean, Man, the number of Chiefs that are in that top first time 10, ever. Top three in 15. the top three in the top ten. First time ever for any team. Uh, first time ever for any team. Avi <sighs> Kelsey, Mahomes, mm. and, and Chris, Chris Jones. Jones. Yeah. Oh, mm. just disgusting. Yeah. Disgusting. Pat was too low, by the way. Sertan was way too low. Oh, Pat, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I Mahomes. I was no. like, shut Pat up. Pat was too low. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Sertan was too way too low. Yes, yeah. I, I agree. Um, he, I mean, he's a top twenty player in the NFL, and yeah. you can probably still argue for him to be, you know, fifteen. You can go through that list, and he could, he yeah. could even make the top ten. All right, let's hop into some super chats before we wrap up here. First super chat coming in from our friend, the Blind Wordsman. Yeah, where'd he go? Uh, it says, it's cool to see NFL royalty on the pod. James has always been a great analyst. I'm oh, wow. happy he's on the pod. So, James, oh. no wonder you wanted this comment. Right? No, that's no, not what I, I'm that's kidding. Kidding. I was asking for. But if we can get <laughs> like, I saw that. Read, go to the chat. Go <laughs> to the super chat. Frame, that'd be cool. <laughs> uh, we absolutely love My that. My mom I mean, needs to see that one. <laughs> we uh, love having James's insight. Because, I mean, you're a Broncos insider as much as anyone, but also just, I mean, literally seven other camps in the past seven Best days. Week, yeah. So we love having you on, James. We love having Todd Thanks, on. Thanks, buddy. Uh, super chat from CTOD. Uh, thank you for the super chat. We appreciate that. He also says, Jimmy Palm Trees oh, and Todd I Davis. Mean, yes, sir. Let's wow. go. And final super chat coming in from Eminem says, just curious if James has seen the interview with Mike Kliss with Jerry or Jerry Rosberg in July. The national narrative is Peyton made Russ give up his office. Rosberg said Russ gave it willingly last year. Thanks. I didn't see the interview, but that is accurate. Yep. Um, but I think what stood out to the national media and probably stood out to everybody was just how firm Sean was in his stance from the jump, uh -huh. right? Right, right? Opening press conference, like, 
we've never had that. We're not having that. Yeah. There were other aspects that everybody was curious about. It was the personal massage uh, person. Is that what they're called? Masseuse? Mm -hmm. James, come on, get it together. (laughs) There was the personal masseuse in the building that uh, might have been exploited by other people in the building, Mm -hmm. just getting themselves a massage as well, and Mm -hmm. all the other people that were around. Yeah, I I, I think Russ giving up the office willingly, it did happen. And I do think that is an an example of Russ as a person. I think Russ will do anything to win. Mm -hmm. Like, I really do. And I think he will do anything in terms of you know, after what happened last year, it was like, hey, whatever you guys need me to do, this was embarrassing. Like, I'm, I'm cool turning this around. What I thought stood out to me was I had an interview with Javante Williams last week uh, before the travels, and he, I was like, you know, everybody keeps telling me Russ is the same because Russ is a – the constant is what has made him a very good player. The yeah. work ethic, same guy every day. And I was like, but something has to be different because we want a different result, don't we? <laughs> yeah. And he was like, yeah, Russ has been different. I mean, he's around – which is different, mm. and I was like, mm. "Oh, okay." Message, like that, that, that's <laughs> interesting. Like, all right, so like you're, you're like Javante is more or less saying, like, yeah, he, he was not around mm-hmm. last year. Um, so I do think that that part has changed. Um, I agree, though. Like, Sean didn't come in and make all these declarations, and Russ like pouted and like kicked his feet and was like, "No, I don't want to give up the office." Like, every quarterback has some sort of place they go and study in every single building in in the league. But As I do should. think before Sean was even hired, Russ was pretty willing to make some changes. Uh-huh. And I think that's kind of where it stood. But Sean, honestly, if that conversation ever happened with Jerry or everything, Sean was going to come in and blow it up no matter what. I think what we all talked about was Sean's stance and how firm it was when he walked in the door. Yeah, uh, 100%. And there was no wiggle room there. And no. Russ also didn't try to get wiggle room. He didn't mm-hmm. try to go and, and talk to Sean to get that. Um, and to your point about Russ being around more... And I think this there, there were some changes when Jerry Rosberg took over in the final two weeks of the season. For the first 14, 15 weeks of the season during open locker room, which isn't the best example when in open locker rooms when media mm-hmm. for 45 minutes a day is allowed in the locker room, you'd never see Russ around. Doesn't mean anything. It's not a bad sign a necessarily. A lot of guys you don't see. It, yeah. Exactly. So not I, just the Broncos. Some locker. guys hide in the showers, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. Say, what are the favorite places to hide? Like <laughs> Bible study is always a good one where yeah. guys, I hate to put the Lord's name in vain like that, but guys would be like, I got to go to Bible study, dude. Man, sorry, I got to go. Yeah. And then they go to the training room. Yeah. Training room, and showers. And then they sit showers, sit in the lounge, yeah. Yeah. all yeah. those different spots. I'm always curious what in each building where the, the key hangout is. What yeah. was when you In your day, what was the spot where most guys went? To get away? Yeah. Uh, definitely the shower or the training room. Guys yeah. been there taking like hour long showers. <laughs> <laughs> just waiting. They like pull their head out. They're still, in there. they're still in there. All right. And they just sit back under that shower. Yeah, that's yep. probably the best place. Well, and I mean the in the training the showers are in one side of the locker room, the training room's on the other side, and uh-huh. you would see that training room door open so many times a day. Open, oh, they see media, we're going yeah. right back in. Some, <laughs> and I'm like, some, I don't blame you. We're in like your, this is your space. Open yeah. locker room can be very beneficial. For reporters, it's also can be just so awkward mm-hmm. and uncomfortable for reporters, not because of anything the players are doing, but you're just like, this is where you're changing. Exactly. This is where you're trying to hang out for 15 minutes in between meetings. So I totally get it from from a player's side. There's buildings around the league where you'll hear like you start getting escorted in. Somebody be like, media's here, uh-huh. media's coming, and then like guys will just bolt. Yeah. Like you'll see the last <laughs> guy running out of the room like when they're doing. I mean, like dude, in Kansas City, you won't see Travis Kelsey for like four weeks. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, like that's. That's one of the best players in the league. Right. You'll go four weeks without seeing him in the locker room. Yep. But those final two weeks, Russ was there every single day. And the first day I was like, looked over, oh, shit, that's Russ. Not because it's Russell Wilson, but because he's in the locker room. And then it was like, 
the next day, the next day, the next day. And I was like, huh, this is kind of interesting. Now, I don't think it was Jerry Rosberg saying you got to be in the locker room during for media availability. Of course it wasn't that. Because <laughs> you're not supposed to talk to him anyways. Right. Well, you it, can't interview him. No. There's, yeah, there's, you there's your designated two yeah. mm-hmm. that talk once a week. Yeah. You or like, twice a week, post-game you, and you during. You look once at Russ week. and PR starts walking mm-hmm. over to you and they're like, hey, you know, it's <laughs> off limits. Um, mm-hmm. But so it is interesting. And that's really interesting to hear from Javante. But, but being in there is, I mean, as we break down media availability, <laughs> like it is valuable. Yeah. Peyton Manning used to be tremendous on Fridays. Like, just to go to his locker room and shoot the shit and mm-hmm. hang out and just talk, like, other teams. And he'd ask, where, you know, what other spots you've been lately? What have you seen from, like, right. non-football stuff? Fridays are great in the locker room because you're pretty much done. When I was With a writer, you're pretty much done your work mm-hmm. for the week um, in terms of all the what you're gathering. And you can kind of, like, get a sense of guys in this and stuff. So I, I do value guys being in there just because also a lot of times Friday is the only time I'm there because I just got to a new city uh, <laughs> and I want right. to talk to some guys. But, like... It just being in there with your teammates is part of it. Now, there's so many other hours of the locker room that are uh-huh. not that 45 right. minutes of our media availability that Russ is in there, and everybody's pretty much in there, except the loners, like a mm-hmm. couple of the, the loner guys <laughs> that, that, that go by the beat of their own drum. Yeah, yeah. That's, our, like, that's our safe space. You know, yeah. we do a lot of, a lot of like, play cards in there, hang out in there. And then to have, like, you know... 40, 50 guys come in, everybody's changing. You're like, <laughs> oh, you know, it's like yeah. one of those things you got to get used to and then uh, try to get in and out as quick as possible. Got I don't it? know, Todd. You're great with me. I really appreciate all your insight there. And the listeners have appreciated all of this insight. I mean, great analysis, James. Thank you. This is amazing inside info by Todd. We've had so many awesome comments. This has really been an awesome show. Thank you, guys. We'll be back tomorrow yep. on the DNVR Broncos podcast where we're going to preview the Broncos' first preseason game of the season so stay tuned tomorrow we're gonna be going live at 2 30 thanks guys it's been awesome you guys gonna talk field conditions